there are only two days remaining in the astronomical summer of 2022 in the Northern Hemisphere, at least as measured from the 38th parallel. There are so many ways to describe any particular moment, and Charlottesville Community Engagement intends to track many things that seem random, but through 432 previous episodes, there seems to be a kaleidoscopic pattern of some sorts going on. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I hope you'll stick around to see how it all ebbs and flows between now and episode 864. But on today's program, a quick burst of announcements from City Council, including a men's health event, WNRN's birthday, and an update on the city's fiscal future. The Yunkin administration seeks to overturn Virginia's model policies for transgendered students. Charlottesville's Human Rights Committee seeks input on their legislative recommendations to city council. The city will soon ramp up efforts to get people to use the recently reopened Smith Aquatic Center. And a committee of the UVA Board of Visitors approves a vision plan for Darden that would see some residential units and also recommends demolition of university gardens. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Rivanna Trail turns 30 this year. And to mark the occasion, the Rivanna Trail Foundation is throwing a party this weekend. It's also the annual Loop DeVille, which is being expanded this year. This Saturday is also National Public Lands Day. And if you want to walk the 20-mile loop of the Rivanna Trail or take place in a run of the circuit, go ahead and register now. What about a mountain bike ride? Or attend that night's Rivanna Roots concert at the Rivanna River Company. Visit rivannatrails.org to learn more about what's happening on Sunday, including a 15-mile mountain bike ride with the Charlottesville Mountain Bike Club, a family-friendly walk at Riverview Park, and a five-mile run. That's followed with a celebration from noon to five at the Wool Factory. For all of the details, visit rivannatrails.org. We begin this week's set of stories from Charlottesville Community Engagement with a roundup of information from last night's meeting of the Charlottesville City Council. There were only four councillors present, as Councillor Cena McGill was not able to attend the meeting, even virtually, due to illness. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade kicked off announcements with information about the men's health event this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Mount Zion First African Baptist Church. Um, is this going to be an opportunity for, for men, all men, just to come out and get more information about health and health, um, healthy options? There's going to be transportation provided. Wade said he will be there, and he's encouraging people he knows to attend, including members of his fraternity. On Monday, Mayor Lloyd Snook said he issued a mayoral proclamation to WNRN Radio for their recent milestone. Uh, so they're celebrating 25 years of nonprofit radio and uh, very successful. In his comments, interim city manager Michael C. Rogers said that council is usually presented with financial reports at the end of each quarter. However, this time's report is delayed. It represents the financial results for all of last year, and those results will not be final until after the audit is completed. The audit will determine how much of a surplus will be left over from fiscal year 22, the second half of which included both a property tax rate increase and a property assessment increase. We're still anticipating a sizable surplus as we previously discussed. 
And uh, at this uh, point, we do not anticipate any material differences in what was previously reported. In June, Rogers reported a projected $14 million in surpluses, as reported by Charlottesville Community Engagement. Expect the audit to be completed and presented to Council in their second meeting in October. More from this City Council meeting in future episodes of the program. On Friday afternoon, the administration of Governor Glenn Youngkin announced it would seek to overturn a Virginia Department of Education policy put in place last year to protect the rights of transgendered students. Bills passed the 2020 General Assembly directing the department to create such model policies for all localities to follow. Here's page 8 of the 2021 policy that resulted. The key guiding principle of the model policies is that all children have a right to learn, free from discrimination and harassment. Now, Youngkin is proposing replacing that document with one called Model Policies for Privacy, Dignity, and Respect for All Students and Parents in Virginia's Public Schools. Here's a section from the purpose section of the proposed policy. The 2021 model policies promoted a specific viewpoint aimed at achieving cultural and social transformation in schools. The 2021 model policies also disregarded the rights of parents and ignored other legal and constitutional principles that significantly impact how schools educate students, including transgendered students. The 2021 document has a long list of terminology with 11 definitions, ranging from cisgender to transgender. But the 2022 policy reduces that to one definition for transgender student that requires the parent to request that identification rather than the student. There's examples of this in the images in the newsletter. The new policy also states that the First Amendment of the American Constitution prevents government actors from making others do anything against their religious beliefs. Here's Section 5, Paragraph C of the 2022 Replacement Policy. Practices such as compelling others to use preferred pronouns is premised on the ideological belief that gender is a matter of personal choice or subjective experience, not sex. Advocates for transgendered students say the new policy will cause harm to individuals in families where they are forced to hide their identity and potentially face repercussions. For more on the response to the new proposed new policy, check out the Richmond Times-Dispatch interview from today with two law professors who argue that Youngkin's approach may be on shaky legal ground. While the new document states that the new policy goes into effect immediately, there is a 30-day public comment period that opens on September 26th on Virginia Regulatory Town Hall. In his first nine months in office, Youngkin has claimed a mandate to change several policies, including withdrawing from the regional greenhouse gas initiative. He has been traveling to other states across the United States to support Republican candidates for office and is widely believed to be seeking the candidacy in the 2024 presidential race. Youngkin defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe with 50.58% of the vote to McAuliffe's 48.64%. Democrats retain a 21 to 19 advantage in the Virginia Senate, and the Republicans have 52 seats to the Democrats' 47 seats in the House of Delegates. There is one vacancy pending a special election for the 35th House District scheduled for January 10th, one day before the General Assembly reconvenes. 
There are 113 days until the next session of the Virginia General Assembly, but work is already underway on the next set of bills that will vie for passage of both houses and signature into law. Earlier this month, the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors had another discussion of what they'd like to see, including a further relaxation on Virginia's open meeting rules to allow for meetings of advisory bodies to be held virtually. Charlottesville City Council will also come up with a list of legislative priorities, and the city's Human Rights Commission is seeking input on what they should recommend through an online survey. Here's a section from a press release for the survey. The HRC envisions this community survey as an opportunity for members of our community to publicly raise topics of shared concern related to human rights. As an advisory body to City Council, the Human Rights Commission can bring Council's attention to systemic and policy-level human rights concerns and advocate for positive change. The survey is open through October 3rd. You can check out previous recommendations of the Human Rights Commission on the city's website. Even if we still have two days left of astronomical summer, the season is over for outdoor pools across the area. It was a rough one for local governments to keep enough people to do the jobs at public pools. And how do things look going into the fall for indoor pools? Here's Dana Kassler, the city's Parks and Recreation Director. The ones we struggled to get during the summer have now returned to their, you know, to their their colleges that may not be close. Um, so this is not atypical of this time of year that, you know, we, we do struggle um, in that area. Gassler spoke at last Thursday's meeting of the city's Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. However, Kassler said the trend is toward filling more vacancies on the programming side, which allows more facilities to operate closer to capacity. However, usage of some facilities has not returned to pre-pandemic levels, such as at Smith Aquatic Center in Fifeville. Smith was closed down for over two years due to a major overhaul of the heating and ventilation system. We're at operation, but we're certainly not at capacity and participation. We'll be putting out a marketing strategy for the fall now that we've been open for you know several months. I'll have more from this meeting in future editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, WTJU 91.1 FM wants you to know about the Charlottesville Albemarle Black Business Expo, coming up on September 24th at the Ix Park from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's an all-day event which will feature DJ sets, panel discussions, a business pitch contest, and live music from both Rochelle Claiborne and Ebony Groove. You can learn more about the event at blackbusinessexpo.org. And don't forget about the men's health event that's also happening this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Mount Zion First African Baptist Church. These shout-outs on Charlottesville Community Engagement are public service announcements intended to give you a sense of some things that are going on, uh, paid for by the various people who are helping to pay for this newsletter. Thank you to everybody who is doing so. Stay tuned to the end to find out how you can also participate. One more segment today, and it's the second segment from last week's University of Virginia Board of Visitors meetings. 
A presentation on potential changes to the master plan for the Darden School of Business prompted a conversation among members of the University of Virginia Board of Visitors about whether enough space has been reserved for future housing units there. At least, that's one takeaway from listening to the September 15th meeting of the Buildings and Grounds Committee. That group recommends positions on land use decisions at UVA. University of Virginia architect Alice Rocher showed a slide which depicted how the Darden School fits in with the Emmett Ivy Corridor, as well as the Athletic Precinct. Central Grounds is a halfway point between North Grounds and the Downtown Mall. And it's so important that all the work we're doing at the Emmett Ivy Corridor and Athletics Grounds, as well as the master plan that we'll be presenting, really starts to break down this perceived distance with these pulses of activity. Darden's master plan was last updated in 2017 by the firm Robert A. M. Stern Architects. And since then, construction has begun on the Darden Inn and Arboretum that was part of that revision. Now, the firm Ramsa has been hired again to update a vision plan for the future that's a little different. It's an expansion of the uh, faculty office buildings, both north and south, and it proposes Uh, student residential uh, facilities both north and south. North uh, ringing the existing parking garage with a proposed green roof on top of the uh, parking garage to form a residential courtyard. The southern residences would be part of a proposed mixed-use building to be built on Leonard Sandridge Road with a potential pedestrian bridge to cross over to Ivy Gardens. Ivy Gardens is currently a 440-unit apartment complex owned by the University of Virginia Foundation, for which a master plan has been adopted. Rocher stressed that the committee was just being asked to approve the vision plan and that any specific buildings would come back to them for review. Any plan here would not impede the master plan for Ivy Gardens that you approved last year. And in fact, you know, if uh, Ivy Gardens should move forward sometime you know, in the future, there would be an ability to really connect the pedestrian and uh, uh, bis- uh, bicycle linkage between uh, Central Grounds, North Grounds, and uh, Darden. Scott Beardsley, dean of the Darden School of Business, said the updates are necessary to prepare for the future in a place the school has been for less than three decades. Our student body uh, has evolved from 550 students, and we will be, by 2025, at around 1,200 students, of which 700 are residential. Uh, We've also doubled the number of faculty, uh, individuals, and also the staff. So basically, Darden is out of office space. Part of that is because of the loss of 15,000 square feet at Sponsors Hall after that building was demolished. Beardsley said peer institutions have also been updating their vision plans to compete for applicants by providing more housing. Stanford, Tuck, Harvard are very well known for their residential uh, components of their housing. Darden relies completely on the community for housing, and a third of our students uh, live all over Charlottesville, so we suffer from the same housing crunch. Beardsley said the hope is to eventually be able to house 80% of first-year graduate students in the new housing, but he is hoping that Ivy Gardens will be renovated in the near future as well to provide different options. The structural housing shortage in Charlottesville means that it's also a contribution to solving the university's housing problem. There are currently no plans to move forward with the master plan for Ivy Gardens, which would not be reserved for UVA students. The master plan adopted by the committee last year would increase the number of units from 440 to as many as 718, 
while also adding commercial and non-residential space. At least one member of the Board of Visitors suggested building more housing at Darden itself. Beardsley said they're not anticipating doing more. We view Ivy Garden as part of the solution. Nearby, there is also the old Ivy residence development before Albemarle County, which would see as many as 525 units if a rezoning is granted. The private developer in that project asked for a deferral in June when it was before the Albemarle Planning Commission. A revised set of documents was submitted to the county in August, and those are now under review. The Building and Grounds Committee did vote to approve the demolition of University Gardens, an apartment complex on Emmett Street, built in 1948, that was acquired by UVA in the 1960s. The condition of these buildings is very poor, um, and uh, so in 2019 we stopped assigning them to graduate students. Uh, we We were ready to tear them down back then, but then COVID happened. And uh, we said, oh, gee, maybe we could use them for isolation and quarantine housing, which we did to a limited extent. Roche said it would be prohibitively expensive to make them habitable again, as there is no central air conditioning and the plumbing is also not in good shape. There is no specific plan for what will happen to the space in the long term. The site itself is probably more valuable to the university without the buildings on it because of where it's located. You know, just um, for your information, you know, the university owns all the land on that side of Emmett Street from the railroad bridge north to Carruthers Hall. Potential uses could include residential halls for second year students, but there are no immediate plans. In the short term, it may likely be used for surface parking. There was no comment from members of the Buildings and Grounds Committee, and then a vote was if taken. Not, we have a motion to approve the demolition of University Gardens. So moved. Do we have a second? Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Great. Thank you. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Another episode, and hopefully there will be three more this week. There is a lot to go through, and I'm working to try to get these out quicker. That's my number one mission at the moment, and I'm grateful for those who are supporting the work. I've been training to put out this newsletter and podcast for 30 years. Maybe one day I'll actually figure it out. Until then, please know that you can help keep me in pens and paper and court inspection fees, as well as other things a town crier needs to do the job. I am going to eschew the fancy robes, though, and you have my assurance that any pivot to video is far in the future. Perhaps in your near future is a paid subscription to help keep the momentum going. If you do so through Substack, Ting will match your first payment, doubling the impact on the bottom line of town crier productions. And if you sign up for Ting through a link in the newsletter, you will get a second month for free, a $75 downtown mall gift card, and a free standard installation. Enter the promo code COMMUNITY to get those benefits. Thank you to Ting for their support of this brand of community journalism. Music in the podcast comes from a musical entity that is currently going by the name Vrocky. You can sample more if you visit Bandcamp and find the album Regret Everything. You can pay for it if you want or it's free, but either way, thank you Vrocky for providing a sonic bed upon which I can speak. This is the end of the program. There will be another one tomorrow. There's a lot to do and I will be doing it from a remote location. Can you guess where? I'll tell you tomorrow. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of the program. Thank you very much, and goodbye, classy people. Classy people.